Welcome back, guys. We're breaking down UFC Fight Night, Santos versus Ankalaev. And we got some pretty exciting fights on this card. Quite a few bangers, actually. But from a gambling perspective, this is a pretty dicey card because we have quite a few unproven fighters on here. Uh, some pretty low-level guys. Uh, guys, you know, who are just coming off the regionals. Uh, some unreliable fighters as well. So, you know, we'll try and pick our spots here. But overall, you know, this card should still be uh, pretty fun. However, I'm probably going to tread a little lightly in terms of uh, the betting here because, you know, we're coming off of a pretty solid night. Would hate to to lose it all back on, on such a, a shaky card like this. But diving right into the recap uh, of last week's event, UFC 272, coming off of a pretty solid winning event, uh, you know, was able to profit 13.28 units on the night. And I do believe that's either going to be the biggest or second biggest uh, winning night that I've had. Uh, so pretty solid night all around. Not looking to keep it rolling, but uh, let's dive right into the breakdown here. So uh, kicking off that, uh, the card, you know, we had Dustin Jacoby, Michael Oleksiejczyk. Uh, I did end up betting on the Jacoby side, took him to win by decision as well. It was a bit of a closer fight than I had expected, but in case you guys didn't notice, Jacoby was not throwing any light kicks in there, which I did feel was going to be uh, a bit of a factor. But apparently, uh, you know, he had an injury and wasn't able to, to really throw those kicks. Regardless, you know, he still did work with his hands, mixed in some of the wrestling and grappling as well. And won a pretty close decision here. Uh, was able to cash on uh, the decision prop and uh, was also able to cash on that leg of the parlay. Moving along, Devontae Smith, uh, Ludovic Klein did not end up having any action on this fight. Uh, just wasn't really sure what to expect from either guys here. You know, Klein coming in short notice. Smith with, uh, you know, pretty suspect uh, cardio and uh, chin. Uh, Klein, I believe, was able to eke out a decision. Um, wasn't too surprised overall, uh, but yeah, didn't really have any action regardless. Uh, Tim Elliott to Gerilin Bekov. I did take uh, the over two and a half. I uh, just did not think either guy had really good finishing upside, uh, especially Ulin Bekov, who's more of just like a lay and pray artist, and then Elliott, who hasn't really gotten a finish in quite a while. Both guys also pretty solid defensively, so didn't really see a finish materializing, and minus 150 for the over 2.5 was, I think, a pretty pretty solid line there. Somewhat upset I didn't bet Elliott because I did feel he was the value side. However, you know, I can't be too upset because I did feel that <laughs> Tagir did enough to win that fight. I felt like uh, he could have won, you know, 29-28 in that spot, but uh, we move along. Brian Kelleher, Umar Nurmagomedov had Nurmagomedov parlayed up in uh, my biggest parlay of the night. Uh, he cashed pretty easily. Uh, you know, Kelleher just was not able to offer much. Um, was able to eventually find the finish, uh, and we move along. Marina Moroz, Maria Agapova, uh, ended up parlaying Agapova for a small amount. Had him parlayed or had her parlayed up with uh, Kevin Holland. I, I think I had Holland to, to anchor a couple of parlays because I, I did feel pretty confident about him. Uh, but you know, I expected the fight to play out a little more on the feet. Did not expect Moroz to to be that aggressive with the the wrestling and the grappling, but. Uh, I guess she knew uh, what the weaknesses of uh, Agapova were and uh, decided just to exploit them. So not a great bet there, but uh, it was just a, a small parlay I had her in. And then uh, Nikolai Negomarianu, Kennedy, and Zedjiku. Yeah, I had some action on Kennedy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of frustrating because I did kind of see it playing out the, the way it did. You know, Kennedy landed some of the better shots, but, you know, the optics just were not great. Him, you know, getting back down, him, you know, shelling up in most of those fights and just not showing really much aggression. Uh, I did score it for Kennedy, but again, you know, you can't be too upset about it. You know, the guy just did not show great fight optics on top of the fact that, you know, he got a point deduction. So not much else to say there. Um, just kind of, <laughs> just kind of frustrating because it did kind of play out the way I expected it to. And, uh, 
you know, I guess if you're talking about value, Negu Mariano, definitely the, the value side there. Uh, but moving along, Marina Rodriguez, uh, Yan Xiaonan. Um, you know, not too upset with how it played out. Uh, you know, I ended up taking the shot on Shannon there and then also took a small shot on her to win by split decision because uh, I did feel this fight was going to go to a split decision. It was a very close fight. I think I did score it for uh, Marina in that fight, but uh, that second round was very close. I'm not sure if Jan did enough with the, the wrestling for her to, to win that round, but um, Rodriguez just a little sharper in there. But Jan Shannon did start uh, pretty strong early, was able to steal a round and uh, potentially could have stolen that second round, right? And, um, Honestly, not too upset there. Uh, it was, uh, I think, a solid value bet. Moving along, Jalen Turner, Jamie Malarkey. Uh, had a, a decent-sized bet on Turner. Uh, that ended up cashing. Felt pretty good about it. Uh, you know, Turner uh, was just, the, I think, the much heavier hitter in there. Uh, he was able to land some pretty heavy shots on Malarkey. And, um, you know, kind of played out the way I, I expected it to. Uh, Malarkey definitely, uh, you know, showed, you know, a lot of uh, heart in there, but just was not enough. You know, uh, Turner just... The much more athletic guy, the much heavier hitter in there, and was eventually able to, to get him out of there in that second round. Uh, moving along, Sergey Spivak, Greg Hardy. Yeah, I ended up having a small half-unit shot on Hardy. Took him to win by knockout, also by, you know, first-round knockout as well. So, you know, I thought the takedown defense of Hardy would hold up a little better, and I thought it would, too, because uh, from what I saw on the tape, you know, he did seem to have decent takedown defense along the cage and out in the open, but you know, we didn't really see him defend too many trips uh, like the the one that Spivak hit him with. So that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And once Spivak was able to take Hardy down, Hardy just does not have the the bottom game or the cardio to uh, to really, you know, work himself back up. So, uh, you know, Spivak eventually was able to kind of flurry him and Hardy just kind of shelled up in there. He doesn't really know what to do off his back uh, still. So uh, pretty bad look, but, you know, did not go too heavy on this fight. Uh, Kevin Holland, Alex Oliveira. <clears throat> Took Holland to win inside the distance, near evens. I thought it was pretty good value. Also took a small shot on uh, uh, the submission line for uh, for Holland. Also had Holland uh, parlayed uh, as well. I thought the submission uh, potentially could have been live. Uh, you know, Oliveira is someone who, you know, if you're able to hurt him, uh, he will kind of just dive into a guillotine. Uh, it's happened twice already, I believe. Uh, once against Rachmanov and also against Randy Brown. And, you know, with someone like Holland who does... Have a black belt uh, in jiu-jitsu under Travis Luter. Uh, pretty, you know, well-versed submission guy himself. Can crack on the feet. Uh, potentially was live for the submission. And at, like, plus 850, I thought there was a ton of value there. But ultimately just took him inside the distance as well. Because I did feel that the knockout was the, the likelier outcome. Obviously, that cashed in that second round. But that first round was looking pretty dicey. Uh, looked like the, the speed of Oliveira might have been a, an issue for Holland early. But, you know, he was eventually able to get the timing down and was able to line... Uh, up a pretty nice shot against uh, Oliveira up in that second round and eventually get the finish. Moving along, Edson Barboza, Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, had a, a three-unit shot on uh, Mitchell here. Uh, I just thought the wrestling would get it done here. Barboza has struggled against wrestlers historically. Obviously, I didn't think that, uh, you know, Mitchell's quite at the level of guys, you know, like uh, like Khabib and, and, and Lee, obviously. But I did think that stylistically he would pose uh, some troubles for Barboza and you know, once he was able to get Barboza down, Barboza just was not able to, to do much to get back up. Mitchell just absolutely smothering him on top. Made uh, pretty easy work of him, honestly, and uh, that cashed pretty easily. Uh, moving along, RDA versus Hinato Moicano. Uh, not a fight I looked in too deeply. Uh, did end up taking a, uh, a small shot on RDA to win in round four and round five. Also took the over on this fight. Over one and a half. Had it parlayed with uh, the under on uh, the Spivak-Hardy fight. 
um, you know, in hindsight, the, the the over on this fight, probably not the smartest play because Moicano coming in short notice, uh, there was a very real possibility we see him just go super aggressively early, try and get RDA out of there. Uh, and if not, uh, just gas out and possibly get finished, you know, under that one and a half. So, you know, probably not that smart of a play considering how, how juiced it was. Um, so kind of glad that it worked out that it did. But, you know, Moicano showing a, a lot of heart in that fight probably a little too much ended up taking a lot more damage than he probably should have like nobody would have blamed him if uh if they had stopped the fight you know after that third round very commendable performance on his part um you know it looked like he was coming back into it a little bit late in the fight but i don't usually you know agree with the commentary but i do feel that rda kind of took his foot off the pedal a little bit at the end there you know obviously he was returning a few shots but i don't think he was really pouring it on like uh, like he could have uh, against against Moicano there, uh, doing him a, a little bit of a solid. Uh, but moving along, <clears throat> Colby Covington, uh, Jorge Masvidal. So Covington rounded off the, the big parlay there with, uh, with Umar, also took Colby to win by decision. Colby's just not really a finisher in there, man. The guy's got fantastic cardio and output, but um, yeah, the guy's just not a very big hitter or a very big like submission artist either. So I uh, was able to to kind of grind out Masvidal like I expected him to. Masvidal obviously had his moments, but uh, the the conditioning of cardio was able to the conditioning of Covington was able to pull through. Uh, the cardio was able to pull through, and the wrestling uh, was able to to come through as well. And uh, that cashed relatively sweat free. Obviously, you know he had that moment in the, that third round where I think he was wobbled a little bit, but recovered pretty damn well. And, uh, you know, Masvidal was just way too gassed to really capitalize either. So pretty good performance on Covington's part and uh, overall a really good winning night for me. Looking to keep it rolling for this card. You know, we have 14 fights, so a pretty big fight night card overall. Looking to keep the train rolling on a pretty dicey card overall. But, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it. And moving along, we have Azamat Mirzakhanov versus Tefan Nchukwi. And Mirzakhanov's the minus 130 favorite comeback on Nchukwi is plus 110. And uh, should be a pretty interesting matchup here. Uh, you know, Azamat's someone who is uh, very uh, explosive in there early. You know, he's definitely got some power uh, in terms of uh, the striking. Uh, he does seem to move pretty well early for someone his size and stature. Uh, you know, he does like to bounce in and out of the pocket. Although I do have to say, you know, the, the movement tends to kind of slow down a bit, you know, after that, like, three, four-minute mark. He's shown pretty good power, but uh, the volume can be a bit low. You know, the guy's looking for uh, the, the right shot in there. You know, he's kind of fainting a lot as well, you know, bouncing in and out of the pocket. Uh, overall, you know, volume not super high, but he does seem to have fight-ending power in there. And on top of that, you know, the guy looks like he can wrestle a little bit. Uh, his top control seems pretty solid. He's pretty heavy on top. He does seem to have decent jujitsu as well, you know, generally looking to advance position and uh, look to just lay the ground and pound and potentially find the submission if it presents itself. Uh, you know, he's not really a big submission guy from what I have seen, though. You know, generally, he's just looking to, to pound his opponents out. The potential concerns that I do have on the uh, Mirzakhanov side is uh, the cardio. Um, you know, I don't think he's got terrible cardio. He has gone the to a decision once but you know don't get fooled by that actually you know it's only a it was actually a two-round fight but you know he did show decent wrestling and, and cardio in that fight so you know I don't think it's bad but he is someone who will slow down as the fight progresses and second of all you know he is getting a little up there in age and you know he's not exactly the most ex experienced fighter for someone his age right he's only got 10 professional fights and he's not really all that active either and he's going to be going up against another you know powerhouse striker in uh in Chukwi. 
I actually considered Nchukwi more of a, a volume striker than more of a, a power striker, actually. You know, the guy's got really good uh, output and volume in there. He has shown that he could go, you know, three good rounds, you know, in terms of uh, the striking output. He does a decent job of putting combinations together as well. I like that he goes to the body. And Chukwi's also shown that he's pretty strong in the clinch as well. You know, he's got some nice uh, knees and elbows there. Uh, and again, you know, the guy's shown three-round cardio as well. So overall, you know, I do think offensively he's... Uh, uh, a pretty solid fighter, but the, the issues that I do have with him is he's a bit plotty in there, and you know I do think he's a bit on the slower end. Also, also you know I think his bottom game is a, a bit weak at the point at this moment. Um, you know his takedown defense is okay, but you know we did see Jung Young Park take him down late in the third round and was pretty much able to just control him for the remainder of the round. And you know it's kind of understandable. Nchukwu is still pretty early in his career. Uh, the guy's only had like six or seven pro fights and. You know, he's still very young in there. So, you know, I do expect him to be making some improvements. But uh, from what I've seen so far, you know, he does seem to struggle a bit if you are able to, to get him on his back. Uh, but taking a look at this matchup, uh, it should be, I think, a pretty close competitive fight. You know, striking-wise, I do think that Mirzakhanov's got a bit of knockout upside. You know, he's shown a lot of power on the regionals. Uh, that said, though, they're against pretty low-level guys in there. Uh, Nchukwi, I think does have a bit of potential and does seem to be pretty durable. So I don't know if Mirzakhanov is going to be able to, to knock him out cold. Uh, if it's a 15-minute striking affair, I kind of do favor the, the cardio and the output of Tefan a little bit more. I think that if it's a 100% striking affair, uh, I think the, the, the cardio and the, the output and pace of uh, Nchukwi is going to take over come the second and third round. But, uh, you know, I do expect Mirzakhanov to have some, you know, pretty big moments potentially on the feet. But I don't know if it's going to be able to be enough to to win him on to win the scorecards essentially, uh, unless he's able to to knock him down. But if he's able to do that, then I think he could potentially swarm Chukwi to to get the finish. But uh, prolonged striking affair, I, I do favor Chukwi. But I do think that Mirzakhanov's got a bit of wrestling upside as well. He has shown that you know he can hit takedowns and uh, get a bit of control time. And I do think that that's something he could do against Chukwi again. Chukwi. Doesn't have the, the best bottom game, and uh, Mirzakhanov has shown that you know he can he can mix in the wrestling. So uh, official pick for me is going to be Mirzakhanov. I think he's got a few paths to victory here. I think he's got uh, the knockout upside early, and then you know if it does get extended, he could potentially hit some takedowns to to seal rounds. Because I, I do think that you know the striking is pretty competitive. You know I do favor the the volume of uh, of Nchukwi, but you know if Mirzakhanov is able to to mix in some opportune takedowns, he could uh, steal rounds that way. But betting-wise, I don't really know if I want to really get invested into this fight. I don't see a ton of value on either side here. I think that, you know, both are pretty uh, untested still. You know, Mirzakhanov has fought just lower-level guys in there, and he's blown them out of the water most of the time. And uh, same with uh, Nchukwi to an extent. You know, he's got a few decision wins as well, but they're against guys like Rodriguez, Mike Rodriguez, and uh, Jamie Pickett, who, you know, are really just not that good of fighters. And he was able to kind of just beat him up for three rounds. And at the end of the day, I do think they're pretty evenly matched, so I don't see a ton of value on, on either side here. But, you know, if I, you had to force me to, to pick a side here, I, I got to go with Mirzakhanov. Uh, he's shown a little more well-roundedness in this game, and he does seem to have a bit of power as well. So, uh, yeah, give me Mirzakhanov uh, probably by decision. And in the next fight, we have Chris Mutino versus Guido Canetti. And 
Mutino's the minus 140 favorite comeback on Kennedy is plus 120, and we're getting the return of Mutino here. Uh, his second fight in the octagon after his short notice debut against O'Malley, and I feel like he's been a bit of a fan favorite since then, you know, coming in short notice, showing the amount of heart that he did. And I'll be honest, it was amusing for the first two and a half minutes or so, you know, just watching him march down O'Malley like that. But, uh, you know, afterwards, it did get a little sad, you know, because it didn't look like he really had much left. Uh, it was a very clear uh, skill difference between the two. O'Malley was more or less just piecing him up. And it definitely felt like the fight might have gone a bit longer than it should have. Mutino definitely showed that he was a dog in there. And by all accounts, he does seem like a pretty good guy. Uh, so I'll try and be as nice as I can with this breakdown. But... You know, I'll have to be honest, I, I rewatched a bit more tape on him and was reminded why I went so hard on O'Malley that day. Mutina just did not really look good at all on tape. You know, the striking uh, is really not great. He's shown that maybe he could kick a little bit, you know, do a bit of work in the clinch, uh, maybe work the, the grappling a bit, but this was against all pretty low-level guys, and even in his wins, they really did not look all that impressive, combined with the fact that, you know, all five of his losses are via finish, and... You know, it just does not really paint a pretty picture here. Fortunately, it looks like the UFC is trying to give him a bit of a softball matchup here. I guess almost as a favor for coming in short notice. Uh, so they're giving him Guido Canetti, uh, you know, a 42-year-old Guido Canetti, who quite frankly has not looked all that good either. Um, you know, and I'm a little surprised Canetti's still in the UFC uh, with how infrequently he fights and how often he loses. So, uh, you know, just taking a look at Guido Canetti, yeah, the guy's, uh, you know, super old. Uh, he's coming off of a, a semi-competent, uh, a fight against uh, Mauro Martinez. Um, you know, Martinez, I think, did win that fight, but, you know, Kennedy didn't look completely terrible. But, uh, you know, I will say that I'm kind of off the Martinez train. Um, you know, the guy just has not really looked good in extended fights, but uh, we're talking about Kennedy here. And, uh, you know, Kennedy didn't look too bad in that fight. You know, he did get hurt, I think, a couple of times, uh, but Martinez just never followed up. That said, though, you know, skill for skill, I do think that Kennedy's probably still the better fighter in there you know I think he's got pretty competent striking uh, he's got a you know pretty solid kicking game as well it does look like uh, you know he does uh, put some power behind those uh, he can work in the clinch also and uh, you know Kennedy has shown that he could wrestle and grapple a little bit so overall you know I do feel that uh, Kennedy's a pretty well-rounded fighter the only issue is you know he is getting quite a bit up there in ages uh, he's been finished in four out of his five UFC losses so you know a ton of red flags surrounding Kennedy but overall, you know, skill for skill, I do think that he's still the, the better fighter and probably still the better athlete, even at this stage in his career, because Mutino just does not shout, uh, you know, crazy athlete to me by any uh, by any sense. So the pick for me is going to be Kennedy. I just have a lot of concerns about the age. Uh, you know, the, the chin, I think, is going to be an issue. It was never that good to begin with. And, you know, him getting, uh, you know, finished in, in four of his last five fights, uh, very concerning here. Not sure if uh, Mutino's really got the power, uh, to really put, uh, to put Kennedy out here. Uh, but, but the other issue that, that I have with Kennedy, you know, at, at 45 at Bantamweight, you know, you got to wonder about the, the cardio, you know, if he's going to be able to go three hard rounds, if, uh, Mutino's just backing him up, I'll fight. But overall, you know, I still have to go with Kennedy here. I just, I still think he's the better fighter. It's just the, the age concerns are, are, are a real factor here. I think Kennedy's the, the better striker, and I do think that he might have the, the better grappling as well. Because, you know, I do think we still got some question marks uh, surrounding uh, Mutino's, you know, defensive grappling. You know, I haven't really seen Mutino on his back or taken down before. 
So I do think that's a potential path for Kennedy here. But again, you know, I don't know if Kennedy's really got the cardio to aggressively wrestle for more than like seven or eight minutes. But, uh, you know, he might be able to just do enough there to to be able to eke out a, a decision. So ultimately, I think this is going to be a pretty close fight. But I got to side with Kennedy here. Probably won't have any action on this fight uh, unless money keeps coming in on Mutino because it does look like money is coming in on Mutino. And if, if I can get like a decent plus number on Kennedy, I might have to uh, put a small like maybe half unit bet on Kennedy just because I do feel this is a pretty 50-50 fight. Um, really, it's just the age putting me off of uh, off of uh, uh, Kennedy here, but I do think he's the, the more skilled fighter overall. So I got to go with Kennedy and give me Kennedy by uh, unanimous decision. And in the next fight, we have Delcha Lungambula versus Cody Brundage. And Lungambula is the minus 120 favorite comeback on uh, Brundage is plus 100. And we'll start with the slight underdog in Brundage first. So uh, from what I have seen from him, it does look like uh, he's more of a wrestler. Uh, you know, the guy does seem to have a bit of striking, but, you know, I don't think it's really all that good. Uh, he's somewhat low volume there. Uh, generally, he's just looking to, to throw power shots in there. But I do believe his strength is going to be in uh, the wrestling. He's got uh, a decent double leg along the cage. Uh, he's pretty strong in there. The guy's uh, kind of explosive. However, you know, I don't know if he's really that good on top. Uh, you know, we've seen opponents on the regionals uh, be able to escape from him on bottom. Uh, we saw William Knight do it on the contender series. And uh, I think even in a few of his other uh, contenders fights, uh, that they were able to get up and even in the Maximov fight uh, I think Maximov was able to beat him in a lot of the uh, the grappling exchanges overall though I'm just not really sold uh, on Brundage you know I think he's a decent athlete but you know outside of the wrestling I really haven't seen too much that I like from him he still is very green in his career uh, you know and furthermore you know I don't think he's got the best cardio in there it's not terrible but uh, you know, I don't think he's got the cardio to, to implement like a wrestling heavy game plan. Uh, you know, he got out grappled by Maximov. Uh, you know, he started strong in the contender series against Knight, but eventually got reversed and then got knocked out. Was eating like just a bunch of unanswered elbows to the side of the head, overcommitted to uh, a takedown. And, you know, I think that shows, you know, potentially like some bad fight IQ as well. But, uh, you know, even on the regionals, uh, he's not a super aggressive wrestler. You know, I've seen him just stand and, and trade with opponents on the feet. And, you know, he does look kind of labored in there after that, you know, first round, round and a half or so. But fortunately for him, he's going to be up against Delcha, who doesn't exactly have the, the best cardio in there either. The guy's just a, a big, muscly, explosive puncher in there. Um, you know, he, he does hit pretty hard, but is kind of low volume. Uh, I think it's because... You know, Dalcha, he's smart about his uh, his pace, right? He knows that he can't sustain, like, a, a high-volume, high-output sort of fight. So, you know, he does load up big on his shots and, and pick his uh, pick his shots in there so that he doesn't overexert himself. But, uh, you know, Dalcha definitely does have knockout power in there. Uh, he, ca he can offensively wrestle as well. You know, I've seen him hit some nice trip takedowns. But overall, you know, I do feel he's uh, kind of reliant on his uh, strength and, you know, physicality to hold his opponents down. And again, I do think that his cardio is a little iffy. Uh, he hasn't like completely death gassed in any of his fights yet, but he does a pretty good job of, you know, limiting the output and, and fighting a generally like low pace, low output sort of fight. But uh, I do see this fight going a number of different ways here. I think that, you know, Dalta probably takes it on the feet. You know, I think he's uh, the slightly better striker in there. I think he's going to be landing some of the, the heavier shots. Uh, that said, though, uh, you know, Dalcha, he does load up pretty big on his shots, and I do think he's a little slow for the division. 
And if he isn't able to connect that big shot, uh, he's not a great minute winner. The guy's, uh, you know, generally pretty low output. And even when he is able to take opponents down, he's not the most active on top. So if this does go to a decision, I kind of favor Brundage just because I think that Brundage might have a little more output. And I do think that uh, Brundage might have a little more success in the wrestling and grappling than uh, than Dolce. And on top of that, Dolce is someone who can get back down as well, which uh, doesn't look all that great, you know, so that combined with his low output can lead to a pretty close decision. But, you know, I don't think it's impossible for Dolce to win a decision either. You know, I do think that he'll land some pretty big, some pretty heavy shots in there. And I do think that could be enough to, to sway the judges, uh, you know, even in his fight against uh, um, against Marc-Andre Berrio, you know, he, he I do think Barrio won that fight somewhat clearly, but, you know, he did have some moments in there. And I do think that Brundage is a significantly, you know, worse striker than uh, than someone like Barrio. So I do think that Lungambula will have some, sex, some success in the striking, enough to the point where, you know, if it does go to a decision, it's going to be pretty close. It could be, uh, you know, 50-50 or like maybe 55-45 uh, in favor of Brundage. However, I do feel that uh, Dolce's got some knockout upside as well. You know, uh, Brundage is someone who doesn't have the best defensive tendencies on the feet, and I don't think that Brundage is a, a great striker as well. So, you know, if this does play out on the feet, I do think that Dolce has got some opportunities to, to find the knockout. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to side with Dolce here. I think that, you know, he's got early knockout upside. I think that if it goes to decision, he could potentially win. And on top of that, you know, Dolce's I think, fought just better guys in there. Brundage really hasn't fought anyone really that good on the regionals and even in the UFC. So uh, I got to side with uh, Dolce here. I think he's got a few paths to victory. He's fought the better guys as well. So official pick for me is going to be Dolce. Uh, I think he gets it done via round one knockout. Brundage really hasn't fought any good strikers. And the only other heavy hitter he's gone up against is William Knight, who was able to get him out of there. So I do think that Dolce is going to have some success in the striking early. Uh, and I do think he might be able to find the chin of uh, Brundage here. So uh, I'm going to go with Dalta here. Not super high confidence because, you know, I do think that there are some holes in uh, in, 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 in Dalta's game that uh, Brundage can take advantage of. And if Brundage is able to aggressively go to the wrestling, uh, he could potentially, you know, steal a decision here. But uh, official pick for me is going to be Dalta by round one knockout. And moving along, we have Miranda Maverick versus Sabina Mazo. And Maverick's the minus 260 favorite comeback on Mazo is plus 220, and uh, we'll start with the underdog in Mazo first. So Mazo, she's a pretty tall, rangy striker in there. Uh, she's got pretty good output and volume, uh, solid distance striking. Um, you know, she really does like to, to work the kicks, but, you know, the issue with that is she doesn't really pack much power, I don't think, and she does seem to be a little slow in there. Uh, her strikes are a little bit telegraphed, and um, honestly, she just got a slightly awkward movement in there. I think it's uh, kind of easy for opponents to to read a lot of her shots. But overall, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but what is a big deal for her is going to be the, the bottom game of Mazo. Uh, her takedown defense actually isn't too bad. You know, she's got pretty decent takedown defense, especially along the cage. But, you know, if you can't take her down, she can definitely get stuck on her back. Uh, you know, her get-up game is pretty bad. Uh, her ground game uh, off her back is pretty bad. So, you know, if you're able to take her down, you, you do have a pretty good likelihood of you know, closing the round on top. So, uh, yeah, outside of that, you know, I don't think Mazo's too bad of a fighter. It's just that um, her, her her defensive grappling is just, I think, a pretty big liability. And I do think that's going to be a pretty big concern in this fight, especially since she's going to be going up against Maverick, who uh, is a pretty strong grappler in there. 
you know, she's shown pretty good uh, uh, timing on her level change. Uh, overall, she's just a, a very strong physical uh, fighter as well. Uh, and, you know, once she's on top, she's very heavy there. Uh, she's shown pretty good jiu-jitsu uh, as well. Um, the striking, on the other hand, with Maverick, uh, you know, is definitely a work in progress. Uh, I think offensively, it's, you know, pretty serviceable. She does seem to have a, a bit of pop in her shots as well. But, you know, defensively, she's extremely hittable. I remember her just, uh, I think, being teed off by uh, Jojua and... So if this fight does play out on the feet, I definitely favor Mazo. I think she's going to be able to, to land at will on Maverick, honestly. But uh, I don't expect this fight to be on the the feet for long. I think that Maverick is going to look to to take it to the ground where it's pretty much just going to be Maverick all day. I, I think the, the skill level in terms of the, the grappling is much bigger uh, between the two than uh, the striking. So... I do think that once Maverick is able to take Mazo down, uh, she's going to look very dominant there. And, uh, you know, I do think that Maverick's going to be able to hit takedowns. She's shown uh, pretty good wrestling, but uh, I do think Mazo's going to leave a lot of openings uh, with the kicks. You know, Mazo does get pretty sloppy with some of her kicks. Uh, and, you know, she has had them caught and uh, taken down from uh, on multiple occasions. And, you know, I have seen Maverick catch kicks as well and uh, work those uh, into takedowns. So... I think there's a, a big chance for Maverick to, to be hitting takedowns every single round here. So uh, I'm definitely on the Maverick side here. I think there's a pretty clear path in terms of the, the wrestling and the grappling. I think that once Maverick is able to, to get the fight to the ground, it's going to be her the rest of the round. Uh, I think she's going to look very dominant on top. Uh, I think she can uh, either, you know, get a, a potential finish, you know, with the ground and pound or even a submission or just ride her out for the remainder of the round and, and win a pretty clear decision here. So the pick for me is going to be Maverick. Uh, I do like her quite a bit in this spot. I think she matches up with uh, Mazo pretty well. She's likely going to get picked apart at distance, but I do expect her to, to work the wrestling in uh, as soon as possible. So uh, give me Maverick here and uh, give me Maverick by decision. And moving along, we have Damon Jackson versus Camuela Kirk. And Camuela Kirk is the minus 155 favorite comeback on uh, Jackson is plus 135, and a pretty interesting matchup here. I think we have two guys who match up pretty evenly stylistically. You know, both guys, I think, are primarily grapplers, but uh, we'll start with Kirk first. Uh, Kirk is going to be making or fighting for the second time in the UFC here, but again, you know, I do believe his uh, background is in jiu-jitsu. Uh, the guy does seem to have, you know, pretty solid grappling. The guy's got a ton of uh, uh, submissions uh, on the regionals as well. Uh, the striking is really... Uh, you know, not that great in my opinion. You know, he's got some nice leg kicks in there, but generally does seem to be pretty low volume. He seems to do a little better when he's the one, you know, pushing forward. Uh, if you have him on the back foot, he does seem to, to struggle a little bit. Uh, but the issue I think that I have with Kirk is he does seem to have low-key suspect cardio. And, you know, the argument might be a little weak because the, the fights that I am kind of basing this off of is the uh, the Billy Q and the Amerikani fight, you know, fights that you could definitely uh, kind of excuse a bit, right? Billy Q's uh, an absolute cardio machine, but in early Kirk had a lot of success, but kind of fell off the cliff after that that first round. And then in the Amerikani fight, it was just a very sloppy back and forth fight. Granted, uh, uh, you know, he was coming in short notice on that fight, but Amerikani is someone who I think does not have great cardio in there. And, uh, you know, it was just a very sloppy sort of fight where I don't think either guy really put a stamp on it. But, you know, if you kind of look at some of the other fights that, uh, Kirk has had on the regionals, you know, uh, I think in the Silva fight, he was very, uh, low output that fight and, you know, not a lot of action. And that's kind of how his fights play out when they do go to a decision. 
you know, if he's not getting his opponents out of there early with a submission or something, uh, he does tend to fight really close, you know, in extended, uh, in extended fights. And I, I suspect it's because his cardio is just not that great. You know, if he goes too aggressively early, uh, his cardio kind of dips and, you know, he struggles as the fight progresses, which is also why I kind of suspect, you know, his output's kind of low sometimes and why he gets backed up so easily in, uh, in a lot of his fights. However, you know, I would like to see him uh, fight a few more times before I, I just completely uh, write off his cardio or just pass judgment here. So uh, taking a look at his opponent, Jackson, uh, you know, pretty similar situation. You know, I think Jackson's primarily a, a grappler as well. Striking really not all that good. And the chin is definitely a liability. However, you know, Jackson does a pretty solid job of uh, fighting to his strengths. You know, he's generally looking to, to get the fight to the ground, uh, look to, to work the submission. But, you know, the issue that I kind of have with Jackson is it, it looks like he tends to struggle a bit when he's up against guys that he doesn't have a, a big grappling edge against, right? Like every time we've seen him fight in the UFC, the guy is either getting finished <laughs> either by submission or, or he's getting knocked out. You know, he did win that fight against Bektich, but that was a fight he was losing for like a good two and a half rounds before he was able to eventually find that submission. And Bektich is a very unreliable fighter uh, as well. So you know, Jackson is someone who, you know, he's going to do really well in the regionals. You know, he's submitting guys left and right. But, you know, once he does get that step up, he does struggle uh, a good amount. And, you know, he's going to be going up against Kirk, who I just don't have a great read on at the moment. You know, I don't know if Kirk is UFC caliber. Um, you know, I'm kind of leaning on no. Kirk just has not really impressed me too much in most of his performances. And, you know, I can kind of say the same about Jackson as well, you know. I do like that he's got a ton of submission wins on the regionals, uh, but, you know, Kirk does seem to have, you know, pretty solid jiu-jitsu as well, and, you know, if Jackson isn't able to to get Kirk out of there early, uh, I think if, you know, his uh, submission defense holds up, this could just be a very sloppy back-and-forth, uh, grindy sort of grappling affair, and if I did have to take a side here, I think I'm going to be leaning on the Jackson side. I think that, you know, his cardio might be a little bit better than Kirk's, although, I really don't rate the, the cardio of Jackson really highly either, but I think that if, you know, it came really came down to it, I, I got to edge it out to uh, to Jackson here. And then, of course, Jackson's got just far more experience. Uh, the guy's actually fought some, you know, pretty solid regional guys, and, you know, he's beating them, I think, pretty decisively. He's also got a, a ton more fights as well, but, you know, at the end of the day, he does seem to struggle when he gets that step up. Now, I don't know if Kirk is going to be that step up, but I do think that Kirk will put up a pretty solid fight here. So, uh, you know, this is kind of a tricky fight, but I got to go with Jackson here. I got to go with the, the far more experienced guy in there. And uh, I think that, you know, he might be live for an early submission if there are indeed like, you know, levels in terms of their, their grappling. And I do think that maybe he's able to, to get a late finish, maybe round two, round three submission if uh, the cardio of Kirk is not as good as I think it is. So I might just take a small sprinkle on the uh, the Jackson by submission or, or Jackson round three submission prop. Outside of that, no, I don't know if I want too much action on this fight. I think it's going to be a bit of a sweat if a finish doesn't materialize. I honestly see this being a, a pretty just back and forth, you know, grindy, sloppy sort of uh, a grappling affair. So uh, official pick for me is going to be uh, Damon Jackson here. I just got to go with the, the more experienced fighter. Uh, but yeah, official pick, Damon Jackson. Uh, give me round three submission. And in the next fight, we have Trevin Jones versus Javid Basharat. And Basharat's the minus 150 favorite. Comeback on Jones is plus 130. 
And we'll start with the underdog in Jones. Uh, I believe his base is actually in jujitsu, but, you know, he has shown, you know, a solid striking game. Uh, You know, he's got uh, some good kicks in there, you know, good inside, outside leg kick, uh, a good front body kick as well. Does seem to have a bit of power as well. Uh, You know, he does have some knockout wins over uh, the likes of Batista and Valiev, but part of me feels that those might be, uh, you know, outliers, <laughs> you know, that he hasn't really shown a ton of power outside of that. Uh, and outside of those two fights, he hasn't actually gotten any knockouts, but I think it might just be the way he fights because I definitely do think that Jones, uh, he's got some power in those hands. And if he's able to connect, I do think he could put a lot of guys out, but yeah, overall, you know, Jones has shown pretty solid grappling on the regionals. Uh, he's shown that he's got crazy durability in there. I just took some crazy punishment from Valley of and was able to come back from that. However, you know, the issue that I do have with uh, Jones is that he's not exactly a, an output machine. You know, he's not uh, a great minute winner overall. Uh, you know, if you just go through his record, you'll see that he's got a ton of split decisions. Uh, I think like, I think six or seven of them. So, you know, if this fight does go the distance, uh, it is going to be a pretty close, pretty hairy sort of fight. However, I do think that, you know, Jones potentially does have some, you know, finishing upside. Uh, he does have some power. He does seem to have pretty uh, solid uh, grappling as well. So, you know, Jones, I think, is a pretty uh, inconsistent fighter, but I do think that overall he's uh, not a terrible fighter. Uh, Basharat, on the other hand, um, you know, he's making his UFC debut, looked pretty solid on his uh, contender series fight, absolutely just ran through his opponent. The guy's shown uh, pretty good movement, pretty good uh, mobility on the feet. Uh, he's got pretty good output in cardio as well. He has shown a pretty good top game also. You know, he's very aggressive with the, the ground and pound on top. Um, shown some submission skills as well, but I'm not really sure how good his wrestling actually is, though. Uh, a lot of the fights that end up on the ground, you know, it's either from like a, a caught kick or something, or he's in some weird scramble or is able to get a knockdown or something and is able to end up on top of his opponents. I haven't seen him like just go and shoot a blast double or anything to, to suggest he's a good wrestler, but somehow the fights that he's in end up on the ground and he ends up on top. And from there, uh, he does seem pretty aggressive, but uh, overall, you know, he is someone I think who's got pretty good output, pretty good pace and cardio. And honestly, I think this is a kind of a weird fight to, to really get a good read on. Cause uh, like I said before, Jones is a pretty inconsistent fighter. Um, it's just kind of hard to know what to really expect from him a uh, fight to fight. You know, he does have, Again, finishing upside, but I think he's a bit more of an opportunist. You know, he'll catch you coming in if you're uh, not careful or, uh, you know, if you're not careful in transitions and stuff, he could catch you in like a submission as well. But uh, from what I have seen in some of his other fights, if he's not able to find that finish, uh, he is pretty low output. He will look to uh, kind of wall install a bit like he did against uh, Kakramanov before he <laughs> got guillotined. But, um, you know, I do think that if he isn't able to get the finish, it does lead to, you know, the fights being a lot closer than uh, they should be. I like the uh, volume and output of Basharat, but I do think that Jones has got some skills and tools that could uh, mitigate some of that output and volume. Uh, for one, you know, he's a very heavy hitter in there. And when you're up against a heavy hitter, you're usually a little less likely to, to throw as much as you usually do, you know, a little more tentative in there and you're a little more reserved with some of your strikes, you know, leaving uh, fewer openings. And on top of that, you know, Jones has shown that he can uh, grind out a fight if, you know, he wants to, you know, just hold his opponent up against the cage, maybe work his grappling a little bit. And that's a good way to really uh, uh, dampen the pace a bit. So for this fight, I think I am going to pick Jones here. You know, I, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's very close. I, I do think that if this goes to decision, I, I slightly favor 
Basharat, but I do think Jones can make it close, and I do think that Jones will have uh, some opportunities to get the finish as well. And on top of that, I do think Jones has fought the far higher level of competition. I mean, just his UFC run alone, uh, he's faced guys that I think are just a level above uh, someone like Basharat, right? Like, you know, he gets matched up against Valiev on short notice uh, in his debut and then fights Bautista. Uh, was able to get the finish in both of those fights and then uh, goes up against Kakramanov. Uh, I think was probably on his way to, to winning that fight if he didn't get caught in that guillotine super late. So, you know, I, I think Jones is a pretty decent fighter uh, who's fought really good guys in there. Whereas, uh, you know, Basharat, he does look decent in a lot of his fights, but, you know, he's fighting a lot of lower level guys. So overall, you know, I do favor Jones in terms of, yeah, just the level of competition and even the UFC experience. So, uh, uh, yeah, I like Jones here, especially, you know, at dog odds. Uh, I might, you know, put a, a, a tiny bit on him. I think uh, I think he can win in a, a number of ways, uh, you know, potentially via knockout, submission, or by split decision. So, um, yeah, just give me Jones in this spot. And moving along, we have uh, Jillian Robertson versus J.J. Aldrich. And Robertson's the minus 155 favorite come back on. Aldrich is plus 135. And uh, we'll start with the underdog in Aldrich. Um, so Aldrich, you know, she's uh, primarily a striker in there. She's quite aggressive, you know, likes to move forward, uh, pressure opponents. She's got a, a pretty decent output and volume. Uh, she's shown that she could uh, work in the clinch as well. Uh, she's got decent footwork and, and distance management. Haven't seen, you know, too much from her takedown defense uh, recently or from her defensive grappling. Um, but, you know, in some of her older fights, she does seem to have okay takedown defense. Uh, you know, we have to go all the way back to the Viana fight where uh, there was a short exchange. Uh, Viana had her uh, down, but she was able to get the reversal, which I thought was a pretty good look. You know, Viana is a black belt, and uh, Aldrich was able to, to reverse her there. And then um, all the way back in her debut against Lima, where she actually did a decent job of defending some of those takedowns and eventually working her way back up to her feet. And, you know, I, I I don't think she looked too bad, all things considered. Uh, you know, it was her debut. She was very young in that fight, and that was over uh, like five years ago. So I do think that she's probably made some improvements since then. But by and large, she's really only fought uh, strikers in there. But uh, she's going to be going up against Robertson, who is uh, primarily a grappler. Uh, you know, Robertson, her, her wrestling, I think, is okay. You know, it's really not that great. She really does like to just dive on that single. Uh, she's got a decent reactive takedown, but... Uh, you know, I feel like most of her entries are kind of telegraphed. And overall, I do feel that Robertson's a, a little slow in there. And Robertson isn't really someone that will chain takedowns together either. You know, if you're able to stuff that first takedown from her, uh, she will look to just get back at distance and strike a little bit before uh, shooting again. So, uh, you know, while she is somewhat persistent with it, she isn't someone that will just kind of uh, chain takedowns together. However, you know, if she is able to, to get her opponents to the ground, she is uh, pretty vicious there. Uh, you know, she's got uh, very slick submissions there. Uh, she's also very uh, aggressive with the, the ground and pound also. Uh, sometimes she could get uh, maybe a little over aggressive with the, the submission attempts. You know, she is someone who uh, has been a little submission over uh, a position at times. And, you know, that could give away, you know, advantageous positions uh, in some of her fights. But overall, I do think that she's a pretty solid grappler, and uh, she could be pretty dangerous in there, especially especially if she's able to get into a, a dominant position. Um, but man, this is a pretty interesting matchup. I think we have uh, your typical striker versus grappler. Uh, you know, Aldrich, I do think, is going to be uh, the better striker in there. Um, you know, Robertson, uh, again, is a little slow on the feet. I think she loads up a lot on her shots. Um, 
and she doesn't seem really all that comfortable there, honestly. Uh, so yeah, I do favor Aldrich on the feet. Robertson is pretty hittable, and you know I, I've watched a few of her fights, and it doesn't look like she's really made uh, too many improvements uh, in the striking department. However, uh, you know she is pretty consistent to to look into to get the fight into the grappling realm, but I just don't know if her wrestling is going to be good enough uh, in this matchup to to get it there consistently or to get her enough control time uh, to win the fight here. Uh, Cause like I said, uh, Aldrich, I do think has pretty good footwork and pretty good distance management and Robertson. She, she does telegraph a lot of her entries. Uh, I, I think that Aldrich is probably going to be seeing some of these takedown attempts coming from a, a mile away. The only way I see Robertson maybe hitting some takedowns is if uh, Aldrich gets a little over aggressive, over swings a little bit. And uh, uh, Robertson's able to, to hit a reactive takedown or something, but I don't know if Robertson's going to have too much success taking uh, Aldrich down. You know, Aldrich has shown uh, pretty good cardio, pretty good balance in there. So I think she's going to be able to, to eventually work her way back up and, you know, keep the fight standing long enough to, to win the, the striking exchanges. So uh, I definitely do lean Aldrich here, but, you know, it's not like a, a super high confidence pick. I do think the margins are pretty thin here. I think that Robertson, you know, she will have some success with the grappling. I just don't think that it's going to be enough so uh you know give me aldrich here i i think that aldrich should be able to to win a pretty uh close competitive decision i think she'll be able to keep it standing long enough to to, to do enough on the feet to to win uh maybe like a 29 20 decision so uh yeah give me give me aldrich give me aldrich by decision and in the next fight we have matthew semmelsberger versus aj fletcher and fletcher's the or semmelsberger is the minus 250 favorite come back on fletcher's uh plus 210 uh, so we'll start with the underdog uh, in Fletcher, who's also making his UFC debut. Uh, so from what I have seen, it looks like he's more of a, a wrestler, a grappler type. Uh, you know, he does seem to have a little power on the feet. You know, he's generally looking to just wing, uh, you know, those overhands and, uh, you know, throw heavy light kicks in there. He does seem to have a bit of power, but overall, you know, his striking isn't really the best. You know, just a lot of single shots in there. Uh, generally just looking to close the distance, really work his wrestling, uh, his grappling. You know, he's got pretty good timing on his level change. Uh, he's got a, a nice reactive double in there. And once he's on top of his opponent, uh, he is pretty heavy there. However, you know, I'm not completely sold on his grappling just yet. It does look like he's able to just out-muscle a lot of lower-level guys on the regionals. And he's actually getting them out of there pretty early as well. So I definitely do have some reservations on the uh, the Fletcher side. And he's going to be going up against Matthew Semmelsberger, who's, I think, a pretty decent striker in there. You know, he's got a pretty nice jab, uh, a good overhand right, nice right cross as well. Uh, he's got two pretty quick finishes at the, the UFC. Uh, you know, he fought pretty competitively with uh, Chaos as well. You know, he showed really good uh, toughness and heart in that fight. You know, uh, he took a bit of damage uh, those first two rounds, but was able to to rally in the third uh, after taking a decent amount of damage and, uh, you know, given a pretty good account of himself. I think I did score that last round for him, and uh, I think all the judges scored it for him as well, but you know, Semmelsberger, I do think, uh, is pretty good offensively. And he has shown that he can hit some offensive takedowns as well. The only uh, concern that I do have with this game is that, you know, his takedown defense isn't particularly great. And, you know, I have seen him taken down and uh, held down on the regionals, uh, mainly the, the Camp Jebekoff fight where, you know, Camp Jebekoff was able to, I think, take him down in the first and the third round. And uh, Semmelsberger just didn't really show any urgency to really work his way back up honestly looked a little lost off his back there, but, uh, you know, he is still pretty young. He could be making improvements. Uh, that fight was about like three years ago. Uh, 
that said, though, you know, when it comes to this fight, I do think that there still are a lot of questions on both sides. Uh, the only thing that I'm somewhat certain of is that Semmelsberger is going to win it on the feet. I just think that he's the superior striker. I think his hands are just much cleaner, much crisper in there. Uh, the questions are just going to be whether or not his takedown defense and uh, get up game has improved. Uh, you know, he hasn't really been tested uh, since that Cam Trebekov fight. Uh, I think Witt was supposed to be a bit of a challenge there, but he ended up starting him early. Uh, and for the Fletcher side, uh, I'm just not really sure how good he really is. Because uh, for the most part, he's really only beaten bums and he's gotten a ton of finishes early. So, you know, he hasn't faced a ton of adversity in any of his fights. Uh, I have no idea how he's going to look when he gets extended. You know, how his cardio is going to hold up. Uh, you know, maybe he's able to get some takedowns early and, and win the early rounds. Uh, but I just have no idea how he's going to look, you know, come that second and third round. And, uh, you know, if his cardio doesn't hold up, I can see someone like Semmelsberger who's got pretty sharp striking in there. He's got pretty good power. You know, he might be able to, to get the finish uh, come that second or third round. But on the other hand, Semmelsberger hasn't exactly shown the best uh, grappling cardio in there. Uh, you know, I want to reference the Kem Tebekov fight again, but, you know, after that first round, w when he got taken down, he seemed to uh, slow down quite a bit afterwards. Uh, you know, he wasn't completely gassed or anything, but, you know, the output did wane a little bit. Uh, he did seem a little more labored in there, and he just wasn't landing with uh, the, the power that he was, you know, earlier in the fight. So, you know, I could see a situation where, you know, Fletcher is able to get that takedown early uh, and is able to wear on the cardio of Semmelsberg enough so that, you know, he's not able to do as much damage come that second round. And uh, maybe Fletcher is able to use that second round to, to recuperate a little bit and, uh, you know, get some takedowns, you know, come that third round. So, you know, I do think this is a pretty high variance fight. Uh, you know, both guys, I think, uh, do have the tools to succeed here. Uh, both guys, I think, are still somewhat improving. So, I do think this is a pretty like high variance fight overall, but you know if I had to take a side here, I think I got to side with Semmelsberger. Um, don't really like the price tag honestly because I do think that there still are some unanswered questions in regards to his uh, takedown defense and his getups. But I do favor his striking overall. I just think he's uh, the much more proven striker in there. And the big question is going to just be the the takedown defense. So overall, I definitely do have to go with Semmelsberger here. You know he's a little more proven. He's fought through a bit of adversity as well and. You know, if his takedown defense holds up, I do think he should be uh, the rifle favorite here. So uh, give me Semmelsberger and, um, you know, I'll just take him to win via round two knockout. But yeah, I, I think he could win via decision as well. And moving along, we have what should be a pretty fun fight between Alex Pereira and Bruno Silva. Pereira's the minus 165 favorite comeback on Silva is plus 145. And we'll start with the underdog in Silva first. So <clears throat> Silva, you know, he's a very fun fighter to watch. Uh, he's got very heavy hands in there. Uh, a little wild with the striking. Uh, the guy's got some very vicious ground and pound. Uh, but honestly, I don't know if I've got the, the greatest read on him just yet. You know, most fights do end pretty early for him. Uh, they end inside the distance a lot of the time. And a lot of the time, uh, his opponents are looking to take him down, you know, neutralize that that striking of his. But in a lot of these fights, we, we see him, you know, kind of just tire his opponents out you know he's able to, to weather the, the grappling storm and he's able to eventually get the finish uh, later in the fights or early in the fights but I feel this is a potential turntables moment here for uh, for Silva because I don't know if he's going to want to look to stand and trade with Pereira I think he's going to be the one that's looking to grapple in this fight because I think we all know what Pereira brings to the table here uh, the guy's a world-class uh, kickboxer super accredited there uh, you know the guy beat Izzy twice yada 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 you know he's got one of the most devastating left hooks on the planet 
But the the issue, of course, is going to be the fact that he's still very green uh, MMA wise. Uh, you know, he's only got I think like what five fights, you know, professionally in MMA. Uh, we saw in his most recent fight, you know, Michaelitis was able to get a uh, pretty significant control time on uh, on Pereira. And Michaelitis, I don't think, is a really good grappler or really a grappler at all. And, you know, he was able to control him for, I think, three or four minutes in that first round uh, before eventually eating that knee in the second. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that in this matchup, Silva's going to be the, the significantly better grappler. I think Silva's probably the, the better grappler than... Uh, than Michaelitis, uh, you know, Silva is supposedly a black belt. We just really haven't seen it on display. You know, we've seen him maybe use it defensively, but haven't really seen him go to it offensively. In fact, if anyone's got footage of, you know, Bruno Silva, you know, hitting takedowns, you know, what he looks like, you know, when it comes to the, the submissions, uh, feel free to, you know, just shoot me a link or something because I'd love to check it out. You know, I've watched some of his uh, recent fights and a lot of it's just striking and a lot of it's him, you know, defending takedowns and submissions and stuff, but uh, not so much him, you know, uh, shooting takedowns and, uh, you know, looking to aggressively grapple because I do feel for this fight, Silva's going to have to go to his, uh, his grappling uh, to potentially win the fight here. I think it'd be pretty ill-advised for Silva to look to stand in being with someone like Pereira. <laughs> it'd probably end uh, pretty badly for him. Uh, but man, uh, this fight's tough to call because, you know, the fight does start, start standing. And, you know, with someone like Silva, he does get a little wild, a little reckless in there. And who knows, man, maybe the guy's got a bit of an ego with him. He's going to look to maybe uh, box a little bit with uh, with Pereira. But as far as an official pick goes, I got to be on the, uh, the Silva side here. I have to go with the guy who's... Uh, got a ton more MMA experience, uh, more UFC experience, and overall it's just the, the better uh, mixed martial artist. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can't be overly confident in it because uh, Pereira does have a pretty big advantage on the feet, and Silva just, I've just not seen him aggressively look to grapple. For, so, uh, you know, I can't bank on him looking to do it in this fight, but I do feel uh, that's probably going to be the game plan, you know, from his camp going into this fight. So, I think if Silva is able to get Pereira down on the mat, uh, he might be able to, to get a submission, uh, potentially get the ground and pound finish because, um, you know, Pereira's just not really looked all that good off his back or against the cage uh, or, you know, in, uh, in in control positions. So I got to go with Silva here, you know, to, to hit takedowns and uh, hopefully win on the mat here. But, you know, otherwise, if it's if it's standing, I, I do see Pereira eventually getting the finish. I think the uh, under is probably not a bad play here. You know, our fight doesn't go the distance. Uh, I do think that either Silva is able to get the takedowns and uh, is able to get the finish, you know, in a, a dominant position, or we see Pereira eventually just find the chin of uh, of Silva and knock him out. But uh, official pick for me is going to be uh, Bruno Silva by uh, round one submission. And moving along, we have Drew Dober versus... Terrence McKinney, uh, Dober's the minus 225 favorite comeback on McKinney is plus 185. And McKinney is going to be stepping in short notice on this fight. Uh, Dober initially uh, slated to go up against Ricky Glenn. McKinney coming off of uh, a, a submission win against ZM about, uh, I think, like two weeks ago. This should be a pretty fun fight for as long as it lasts. Uh, most of McKinney and Dober's fights happen that way. McKinney, someone, uh, you know, who will come out really aggressively. And Dober, just a really high-level striker who's routinely put on uh, really fun fights. But we'll start with Dober first. Uh, you know, the guy's a very high-level uh, striker in there. He's got great footwork, really good kicking game, uh, really good combination punching, uh, great counter punching as well. He does a good job of uh, fighting off his back foot. But, 
you know, I do feel he does his best work when he's moving forward and pressuring. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the big hole I think in Dober's game is going to be in the grappling. Uh, he just has not shown really good takedown defense and is really not that good off his back. Uh, you know, he's losing to some really solid grapplers in there like uh, Makashev and Darius and even OAM. But, you know, even non-wrestlers uh, like Riddell and Hernandez uh, and even Frank Camacho were able to to get some of his wrestling going and you know i'd say most recently in that riddell fight uh riddell was able to to go to his wrestling to to really win that fight for him because uh, you know the striking exchanges were pretty close and riddell you know is a, is a kickboxer by trade in there and you know he was able to to have you know some wrestling success and some top control time against uh against dober and so it looks like you know after all these years uh dober really just has not done a great job of shoring up that part of his game and that's definitely going to be a big concern here because, you know, McKinney is someone who is going to start off the fight very aggressively. I mean, the guy's just an absolute monster in that first round. He puts it all on the table. Uh, you know, he's kind of known for his explosive striking a bit, but I do believe his base is going to be in the wrestling. And, you know, the guy is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, but uh, the most important thing is the fact that McKinney just starts super aggressively. And, you know, the guy just goes all out early for the finish. Uh, you know, he's very aggressive with the ground and pound. And uh, he's got good submission skills as well. Uh, he's not out there just running through opponents, you know, via submission. He's not some, like, high-level submission artist, but he does a good job of integrating it into his game. Uh, he does a really good job of, you know, softening his opponents up with the, the ground and pound and letting the, uh, the submissions present itself. And when they do, uh, you know, he's pretty good at snatching them up. Overall, you know, I do think that McKinney's a pretty strong wrestler, pretty solid uh, grappler as well. Obviously not on the level of guys like uh, Darius or, or Makashev, but the aggression that uh, McKinney fights at early in the fight makes him just as dangerous, I think. However, it's very high risk, high reward. Uh, you know, when he's going that hard early, he does have a pretty good chance of finishing a lot of guys in the division. But, uh, you know, it does leave him pretty vulnerable outside of that first round because he will expend oh, he will have expended a ton of his cardio then. And, you know, Drew Dober is not really the type of guy you really want to uh to be gassed against because dober is going to be levels ahead in terms of uh, the striking here uh you know mckinney he is a pretty explosive striker but in terms of you know the technique and the experience he's not even uh close to dober's level so you know his best shot's gonna be to probably take dober down early and uh you know hopefully get the finish otherwise he's just gonna gas out and i see dober finding the finish uh come that second round but I do feel that McKinney's actually very alive in that first round, uh, maybe a little more than a lot of people would expect. I know a lot of people are probably going to reference the Makashev fight that it took Makashev uh, two and a half rounds before, you know, finally getting the finish. But, you know, I don't think Makashev was really going for it early in the fight. I think he was uh, kind of conserving himself a little bit, didn't want to overexert and then found that, you know, near the end of the fight, he was able to to get the submission and, uh, you know, go a little, be a little more aggressive as the time was uh, winding down. But, I do feel that if McKinney started off really aggressively in that fight, I do think that he's live. I think that Dober, uh, you know, still has pretty big holes in his uh, takedown defense and defensive grappling. That said, though, you know, this is a very big step up in competition for McKinney. And if he isn't able to get Dober out of there, I definitely see Dober getting uh, the second round finish just because McKinney's going to be way too tired after that first round. So I do feel that uh, there's really two ways that this fight plays out. If I had to make an official pick, though, I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with McKinney here. I think he gets it done in the first round, but I can definitely see Dober weathering it early. So the way I'm, I think I'm really gonna play this fight is just McKinney in round one, and then Dober in round two, or even just looking to play the unders here because McKinney really hasn't shown that you know he's gonna look to pace himself. He's still very much a, a quick, aggressive starter, 
And, you know, him coming in short notice, I do think that uh, he's going to look to try and end the fight early again. So, yeah, I like the unders in this spot. Uh, I like McKinney round one and Dober round two. I wouldn't really recommend playing the money line for either side just because uh, minus like 220, I think, is pretty steep for Dober, who, you know, still does have uh, that pretty big hole in his game. And then, you know, plus 180 is not a ton of value on McKinney considering most of his win equities tied up in that first round. So you may as well just play him in that first round or just play him by finish. Cause I don't see him winning any other way. I don't see him, you know, uh, getting a decision or anything. Um, and then for the, the Dober side, I'd recommend just taking the inside the distance prop as well. Cause if he is able to, to weather that storm of, uh, of McKinney early, he's probably going to be able to get the finish. So, um, official pick for me is just going to be McKinney round one, but uh, really just the, the violence in this fight is uh, probably the, the the best way to attack it. And moving along, we have Khalil Roundtree versus Carl Roberson, and Roundtree's the minus 115 favorite uh, comeback on Roberson is minus 105, so uh, we're getting pretty much near a pick for this fight. But a pretty interesting matchup here because uh, I do feel we have two somewhat unreliable fighters uh, going at it. Uh, more so Roundtree. You know, Roundtree is someone who's had performances that have pretty much been all over the map uh you know if we just go over his record real quick uh the, the guys he's beaten the guys he's lost to you know it's kind of all over the place you know he's got knockout wins over the likes of paul craig and gokan saki uh, and then you know he was able to put on an absolute clinic against someone like anders although anders really looked just lost in there in that fight but you know he's also getting outstruck by uh Oleg Sechuk and getting taken down by Oleg Sechuk. uh he's got knockout losses to, to kudalaba and walker you know two very explosive guys in there but you know, he's also getting outstruck by guys like Marcin Pragnia, which, you know, really took me by surprise. But then, you know, he's also coming off of a really solid performance against Bukowskis. Uh, you know, was able to get the, the knockout finish. Well, I think he actually, you know, blew out his knee. I think he knee stomped him, actually. But even before that, you know, he was touching up Bukowskis and, and looked really good for that first round and a half before he uh, destroyed the knees of Bukowskis. But overall, Roundtree is someone, you know, who can strike in there. He's definitely got some power on the feet. But you just don't know what to really expect from him sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes he could just look like a world beater out there. And sometimes he'll just put on a very flat performance. So uh, somewhat inconsistent in that regards. But, you know, he is, I think, pretty dangerous when it comes to the striking. Yeah, he does have some power in there as well. And uh, he's going to be going up against Roberson, who is, uh, you know, primarily a kickboxer. You know, that guy's got pretty good striking. Uh, he moves pretty well in there. Uh, you know, his output is solid. I think his hands are, are pretty crisp. He's got a, a good kicking game as well, uh, very diverse. But, you know, he does seem to have uh, some questionable fight IQ. And I'm mainly referring to his fight against Brendan Allen, where he just decides to play leg locks in there with Brendan Allen, a guy who's uh, much more fluid on the ground, a guy who's got just levels above him in terms of the grappling. I feel like if he could have kept that fight standing, he would have had a lot more success there. I thought he'd be the, the much better striker in that matchup, but I decided to, to play around a little too long on the ground and, uh, you know, he got caught. But I guess if there's any silver lining in that, it's that uh, Roberson has actually shown that, you know, he could wrestle and grapple a little bit, you know, albeit a little ill-advised against Allen. He has shown before that, you know, he can hit some takedowns and he will, you know, play jujitsu sometimes with some of his opponents. He did show in the tournament in the Kopolov fight that uh, he does seem to have uh, some decent grappling defense and uh, you know might might have gotten a little overconfident in the Allen fight but I do feel that overall uh, he might be the more well-rounded fighter compared to uh, to someone like Roundtree so you know if there's anything you can take away from that it's that you know uh, uh, Roberson's not afraid to, to take this fight to the ground and uh, be outside of his element for a little bit 
but taking a look at this matchup I do favor Roberson a bit on the feet I think he moves a little better there I think he might just be a little quicker as well I do like the diversity uh, in his strikes that he brings to the table also um, you know I do favor the power of Roundtree a little bit more but you know I do think that uh the, the movement of Roberson could give Roundtree uh, some trouble there. Uh, I do think that over the course of three rounds, he might be able to, to outwork and outstrike uh, outstrike Roundtree. And I do feel that if uh, Roberson does decide to look to, to wrestle and grapple a little bit, uh, he'll have a bit more success here. I really don't rate the, the takedown defense or the, the defensive grappling of Roundtree all that much. And so I feel that if Roberson's in a bit of trouble, he could just potentially hit a takedown to, uh, to get himself out of trouble, to, to buy himself a little time or just to hit some takedowns to potentially win some minutes uh, as well. So, you know, overall, I do favor Roberson here. I think with a half-decent game plan, he could uh, he could do pretty well, and hindsight looked like a much bigger favorite. The only issue is, uh, you know, if he's going to be able to adhere to that game plan, because, again, the guy has shown pretty poor fight IQ, and, you know, I can't see a way how, you know, he could really botch this fight, but, you know, with poor IQ, it, it always seems to find a way, and... So, you know, I do like the uh, the Roberson side here. I just don't know if I want to go too big on it because, uh, you know, Roberson is someone who has found ways to kind of drop the ball. But at a pick'em now where it is, I do feel there's uh, some potential value here. I just don't know uh, what the sizing is going to be in terms of the bet. But, um, you know, I do favor Roberson to win here. I like him on the feet. I think he's a bit more well-rounded. Uh, so, yeah, give me Roberson here and... You know, I think a sneaky angle was uh, potentially uh, uh, Roberson by uh, submission. I think if it's a nice juicy number, it's worth a, a small poke here because Roberson has shown that uh, he will hit takedowns and he does have a, a few submission wins on his record here. Uh, he's not some like high level submission artist, but, you know, I, I do think it's a little more opportunistic for him. And I do feel that Roundtree's uh, d submission defense and ground game is just not really up to par. So uh, I do think that there, there are going to be, you know, opportunities for Roberson to, to snatch it up. You know, I'm not saying it's a lock or anything, but I do think that if it's, you know, like plus seven, plus 800, uh, it might be worth a shot. But official pick for me is going to be a Roberson. Uh, I like him to win uh, via decision. And moving along, we have Alex Caceres versus Sudik Yusuf. And Yusuf's the minus 225 favorite comeback on Caceres is plus 190, and we'll take a look at <clears throat> Yusuf here first. Uh, so he's a young prospect, pretty good striker in there. He's got a, a good jab, uh, one-two, uh, and a leg kick. He's also got pretty heavy hands uh, as well. Only thing I, I do have to criticize him a little bit for is uh, probably the footwork and his cage cutting. You know, he does have a pretty bad habit of uh, kind of chasing opponents around a little bit. And, you know, lastly, I think the chin is a little worrisome. Um you know, I don't think it's too big of a deal right now. Uh, he's been finished once, I think, but uh, I've seen him rocked and wobbled uh, on a couple occasions. He's shown pretty good recoverability. Um, and for this matchup, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. But going forward, it is something to, to keep in the back of your mind here. But he's going to be going up against Caceres here, who, um, you know, not exactly a big power puncher. You know, Caceres is bit more of a point fighter. The guy's got pretty good volume on the feet, pretty good output. But generally, uh, you know, he's just looking to touch his opponents, you know, stay on the outside, uh, work the light kicks, work the jab. Uh, the guy does a pretty good job of just kind of flowing on the outside and uh, uh, just touching his opponents. Um, and he's also, uh, I believe, a black belt in there as well. Did show off the uh, the jiu-jitsu in his most recent fight. Uh, was able to, to pull off a, a comeback submission win against uh, Sung Woo Choi. So Caceres, he has shown a bit of uh, grappling uh, that he can go to, but uh, the guy does generally prefer to look to strike in there. But 
taking a look at this matchup, it should be a pretty uh, interesting matchup here, a pretty fun one. Both guys are probably going to look to to strike in there. Uh, personally, I'm definitely a bit more on the Yusuf side. I think he's going to be the, the much heavier hitter in there. I think he might be a, a little quicker as well. Uh, on top of that, Yusuf does have uh, the youth advantage uh, as well. However, I do feel that if this goes to a decision, it can play out pretty closely because I can definitely see the, the lateral movement of... Uh, of Caceres given uh, Yusuf a bit of trouble, but at the same time, uh, I do think that the, the power is going to be enough to to really edge Yusuf in, uh, in in the spot here. On top of that, I do feel that uh, Yusuf's going to have a bit of uh, finishing upside as well. Uh, you know, we did see uh, uh, Caceres get cracked pretty badly in his most recent fight against Sung Wu Choi, and he's a bit lucky to have come away with that fight because, uh, you know, Choi had him hurt pretty bad early in that first round. And if Choi hadn't need him illegally, he probably would have been able to, to swarm Caceres uh, for the TKO finish. So a uh, little fortunate for him, but, you know, Caceres did show a lot of toughness and grit in that fight, was able to come back and get the submission uh, in the second round there. Uh, but in this matchup, I feel that if uh, Yusuf is able to land that cleanly, he's probably going to get the finish here. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that we see Yusuf get the finish because Caceres, uh, he does like to to throw a lot of those naked leg kicks. And uh, if Yusuf is able to get the timing down, just line him up for a, a nice you know counter shot, he could potentially uh, put him out, do a lot of damage because uh, Yusuf does ha have uh, quite a bit of power in there. I will say this, though. I don't think that Yusuf is quite as fast and as sharp as uh, Sung Wu Choi, but uh, I could be wrong because... You know, it's kind of hard to gauge these sort of things, but I do feel Choi's got some of the, the sharpest, quickest hands in uh, in the division at the moment. Regardless, uh, you know, I do think that Yusuf's going to be able to land, and I do think he's going to be able to to find some openings. So uh, for that reason, I'm going to side with Yusuf here. Uh, you know, I feel the line is about right. Uh, if he had to force me to, to bet a side here, I'd probably bet Yusuf even at, like, this pretty chalky number because I do feel that... If it goes to a decision, uh, Yusuf, uh, he could get it done, even though it'd be, I think, by a pretty narrow margin. But I do think that Yusuf's got a bit of a knockout upside as well. Like, even if he isn't able to uh, to knock Caceres out, I do think he'd be able to, to get some knockdowns, which could, uh, you know, heavily, you know, sway the rounds in his favor. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Yusuf here um, as the official pick. I think I'm just going to actually take him uh, to win by uh, unanimous decision. And moving along in the co-main event, we have Marlon Marais versus Song Yadong. And uh, Song Yadong's the minus 230 favorite comeback on Marais's plus 195. And uh, we'll start with Marais first. So I think we all kind of know the deal with Marais. You know, he's a very quick, uh, explosive striker in there. Uh, probably one of, if not the most dangerous striker uh, in that first round. I think the guy's uh, got a ton of finishing upside early. Uh, you know, he's got very quick, heavy hands in there. He likes to slam that leg kick uh, and set up that that head kick, which is super potent. You know, he's got a number of knockouts that way. He's hurt opponents uh, in that fashion as well. Uh, overall, I think the guy's just extremely live to, to finish in round one uh, against anyone, honestly. Uh, but, of course, you know, the guy's got absolutely atrocious cardio. Uh, you know, he's absolutely jacked in there on top of the fact that he puts a ton of heat in his shots. So the cardio is just not able to keep up after that first round, round and a half. Granted, uh, you know, he has gone the distance before, um, you know, in lower pace fights. Uh, we saw that in the uh, Sun Sao fight uh, in his debut and then also against the Aldo, right, where, you know, he was able to go the distance in those fights. But those weren't very high paced affairs. Neither guy was throwing too much. Uh, he did a decent job of, 
uh, of pacing himself in, in, in all in both of those matchups. However, I do feel that if you're able to push a pace on him, or if you're able to mix in any sort of wrestling or grappling, uh, the guy's just going to get completely cooked in there. Um, but the issue, you know, in this matchup is I just don't know if Song Yudong's going to be able to bring it. Um, you know, Song Yudong, he, he is a pretty good striker in there. He's got pretty quick hands. Uh, he likes to blitz in and, and put combinations together. And has shown, you know, pretty good power as well. Uh, you know, pretty solid output. Can go three uh, hard rounds. But, you know, Song Yudong isn't someone who's like a big, you know, pressure fighter. Uh, you know, he will, he will kind of fight in bursts in there and look to reset, which... I do feel is something that uh, uh, Marais might be able to weather. So stylistically, I don't think that this is a terrible matchup for Marais. But, you know, the, the cardio, I think, is still a pretty big factor because, uh, you know, there's other things that come into play, right? Like he, he could potentially hurt Song Yudong early and, uh, you know, swarm him for the finish and not get the finish. And then, you know, he'll have gassed himself out regardless. Uh, you know, Song Yudong has shown really good uh, toughness and durability. Uh, you know, he did eat uh, that that head kick from uh, from Phillips like nothing was able to uh, just kind of keep walking forward and still do damage but you know that's not something you want to read too much into uh obviously you know it is a good look that he was able to 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 continue to fight through that but you don't want to put too much stock in it you know just because he, he ate that you know head kick from uh from Phillips doesn't mean he'll be able to to continuously eat head kicks from someone like Marais because I do feel that if something like that lands for Marais he could uh have uh Song Yidong in a ton of trouble and again, I do feel that Marais uh, is live to, to finish a lot of guys in the division in that first round. So you really can't count him out. But, you know, overall, I still have to, to, to lean on the, the youth, uh, the durability and the cardio of, uh, of Yudong here. But the minus 220 price tag is a bit off-putting. Definitely feels a bit wide. I know people are probably looking to, to fade Marais here. You know, the guy's coming off of uh, three finish losses. But... You know, stylistically, I don't know if Yadong is going to be similar to guys like, you know, Sandhagen, Font, and, and definitely not <laughs> Marab. But, um, you know, guys like Sandhagen and Font are, I think, taller, lankier guys for the division. They have good uh, distance striking. They have good uh, uh, distance management and are really just crafty strikers in there overall. They also have, you know, pretty good defensive striking as well. And you do also have to factor in the fact that... Uh, um, Rice was coming in two months after getting head kicked uh, against Sandhagen uh, against Font. So uh, that, that was a pretty weird fight, right? Where uh, uh, Rice actually went to the, the wrestling in that fight and just gassed himself out and then got dropped by a, a jab, essentially. And then uh, Marab is just uh, a, a crazy durable wrestler with, you know, crazy cardio in there and was able to weather that storm. And, you know, I don't know how much of those attributes Song Yudong really brings to the table. I don't think he's a great distance striker like uh, like Sandhagen or, or Font. And, you know, I don't think that Marais is going to look to uh, to wrestle early in this fight and gas himself out. Uh, I don't think Song Yudong is going to look to aggressively wrestle either. So, you know, it really will just come down to how Song Yudong is going to weather the storm or if he's going to push a pace, which, you know, I'm not entirely convinced that he's going to be able to do. And if I'm being honest, I don't know if Team Alpha Male is the camp that'll, uh, you know, fully prep him uh, to put him in the best position to win in this fight. You know, Team Alpha Male's got, uh, it's a pretty big camp with a lot of bodies there, but I just have not seen uh, the best performances from their guys in terms of, you know, game planning, in terms of, you know, adding new wrinkles to their game, because uh, Song Yudong's more or less been the same fighter since he's, you know, uh, joined the UFC. You know, the guy's got big power, you know, very fast hands, but... You know, maybe his, you know, cardio's improved a bit, his conditioning's improved a little bit, and, you know, some of his takedown defense has, but, 
by and large, he's still more or less the same fighter in there. And I just don't know if, you know, Team Alpha Male's the, the camp to, to really do it. Because you see other guys in the camp like like uh, like Feely and uh, Cody Garbrandt, who uh, their game's really not evolved much uh, at all at that camp. Low-key, I feel Team Alpha Male's kind of flown under the radar in terms of, you know, big camps that kind of aren't that great, kind of like, like Fortis here. But, you know, I've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent, but... You know, just going back to this matchup, I do think that it could be somewhat high variance in terms of the outcomes because um, it really comes down to a few things, actually. It'll depend on really the, the game plan of Song Yudong coming into this. And, of course, uh, you know, how aggressive um, Rice is going to be as well because with how explosive he is, uh, you know, if he's able to, to land anything or if anything gets through, he could potentially swarm Song Yudong for the finish. But if he isn't able to, uh, he might gas himself out and he could get finished. Or if, you know, Song's not pushing a pace in there and is able to defend well against Marais, we could see this eke to the over. And, uh, you know, that that is a possibility as well. But, you know, official pick for this fight, uh, I got to go with Song Yudong here. I just cannot trust the, the chin and the cardio of uh, Marais at this point in his career. Obviously, he's always going to be live early in the fight. But, you know, I favor Song Yudong if it goes to the, goes to a decision. And I do think that he could potentially get the knockout as well if uh, Marais uh, gasses out. But, you know, I wouldn't be completely surprised if this uh, ekes to the over. But my pick is going to be Song Yudong for this fight. I think he gets it done by a round two knockout. And in the main event, we have Magomed Ankalaev versus Tiago Santos. And Ankalaev is the minus 460 favorite comeback on Santos is plus 360. And uh, we'll start with Ankalaev first. So <clears throat> Ankalaev, you know, very big favorite in this fight. And... You know, almost rightfully so, right? The guy's a very high-level striker. He's got good footwork in there, very good uh, distance management. He does a really good job of uh, fighting behind the jab. And, you know, generally, I think his output is okay. However, you know, I guess one of the knocks on Ankalaev is the fact that he does tend to coast a little bit in some of his fights. You know, he'll do just enough to, to win on the cards. And, you know, it's it's worked well enough for him so far. But, you know, with how some of the judging is lately uh i would like to see a little more aggression from him but you know he does play it pretty safe in there he does have you know pretty decent power especially when he does decide to sit down on his shots and on top of that you know he has shown that he could offensively wrestle uh, as well uh, you know i don't think his wrestling's like phenomenal or anything but it is it is quite good in there uh, it has you know helped him you know close out rounds uh, win rounds that way um so yeah the guys i think a very you know high level striker very well rounded overall i really don't have too many bad things to say about him I guess really the only criticism is that he got choked out by Paul Craig in his debut in like the last second so maybe he's someone that you know panics under pressure you know I'm definitely you know stretching it a little bit but it's kind of hard to say because he's kind of just run through his opponents since then hasn't really faced a ton of adversity so uh, that's really the only black mark on him but outside of that you know he's looked really solid everywhere and honestly I don't even know if he's going to be facing a ton of pressure this fight. You know, Santos is, he's a big hitter for sure, but he just has not really looked like himself lately. Honestly, he's kind of looked like just a shell of his former self after getting double knee surgery after that loss to, to John Jones. You know, he did show some flashes against that Teixeira, but ultimately he did get finished that fight. And, you know, in the, in the fight after that, he lost a pretty low paced kicking affair with, uh, with Rakic. And he also got, kind of dominated in the grappling there there wasn't a ton of wrestling success but you know or there wasn't a ton of wrestling that happened but when it did happen Rockage was able to kind of just hold him down uh, for the remainder of the rounds and then you know he's coming off of a very low paced 
uh, a striking affair with Walker, uh, a fight that he did win, but, you know, it was a very close fight and uh, a very uneventful fight. But, you know, he just did not really look good in any of those performances, you know, outside of him hurting uh, Teixeira early. But, you know, that was a much older, much slower Teixeira who was ultimately able to weather the storm. But basically what I'm trying to get at is, you know, Santos just really hasn't looked all that good. Uh, you know, he's been very gun-shy in there. And that, that's just a really bad look because historically Santos is someone who's, you know, a very big finisher, someone who, you know, gets a, a lot of knockouts, a lot of submissions, but you know, you're not going to get those if you're just not throwing in there. And lately Santos has kind of just been content to, to kind of play at distance, you know, work the kicks and occasionally just blitzing in and throw a couple uh, hammers in there. But uh, you know, none of them are really connecting and, you know, it looks like maybe the, the age and the, the wear and tear is starting to, to catch up to Santos a bit here. And, you know, he isn't able to connect on some of those bombs lately. And the only person that he was able to connect on was like a 40-year-old Tashira. So uh, not looking good for Santos lately. And he's going up against a, a tough young prospect in Ankalaev who, you know, is very technical on the feet. Uh, you know, he's going to be, I think, uh, the much more natural light heavyweight uh, in, uh, in Ankalaev. You know, Ankalaev, I think should be able to, to pick Santos apart on the feet here at distance. I can kind of see this playing out similarly to the Rockage fight where uh, Inkalaev is just going to be able to kind of just kick at Santos, you know, really work the jab, the one-two, and maybe even mix in the wrestling because we, we've seen Santos struggle a bit with the takedown defense and his uh, his get-ups. So I, I think that there's a ton of paths to victory here for Inkalaev. I think the, the odds are, you know, quite justified here. You know, I think that outside of Santos just landing a, a big bomb, he's going to have a hard time winning uh, in general. Now, uh, I will say this, though, as I guess kind of a, a little counterpoint or, or just, you know, playing a devil's advocate a little bit. Um, Inkalaev is someone who fights close, and the last two of uh, Santos's fights, you know, they were pretty close fights, pretty uh, pretty low pace fights, and, you know, some of these judges out there are literally on crack, and, you know, some of the scorecards these past couple of weeks were, you know, very questionable, and you know, if this does go the distance in what is going to be uh, maybe a somewhat uneventful five-rounder, it could get a little dicey in there, especially if you're holding a ticket on a, a minus 500 favorite. You know, all your uh, parlays are, are anchored on Ankalaev, and, you know, he fights to a very close decision. You know, it could get very sweaty in there, but ultimately, I do think that Ankalaev gets it done. I think he's going to be able to do enough on the feet, you know, throw enough volume to, to win soundly on the scorecards. And if he needs to maybe mix in some of the, the wrestling uh, as well to to help really seal off some of the rounds. So, yeah, I'm definitely on the ink live side here. You know, he's just the much more uh, technical uh, striker in there. Uh, you know, he's going to be the younger fighter as well. Uh, has more of a, a light heavyweight frame. And uh, I do think he's got some wrestling upside as well. And really just outside of Santos maybe blitzing in and finding that one big power shot I just don't see him really being able to to win anywhere else so uh you know give me uh give me Ankalaev here and give me Ankalaev via unanimous decision it's probably going to be a somewhat tepid affair you know uh it's not going to be like you know crazy back and forth I do think that we see Ankalaev kind of pull ahead on the striking in the aggregate and uh win a somewhat close but you know decisive decision